Okay. Um, I'll, t I'll tell you what I'm planning to do this morning, um, just so you've got a bit of an idea. You'll probably end up with a bit more idea than I've got, but that's okay. So what I want to do this morning is give a little bit of personal testimony um, about what God's been um, speaking to me about in the last six or so months. Um, and I'm also um, then going to talk a little bit about local mission here um, and um, before we start that, I think I'm going to invite Lucy to come and share um, a bit of her story. Um, Lucy, for those of you who don't, who don't know her, um, spends quite a lot of time in this building through the week. She's um, part of the cafe team. She volunteers at Stay and Play on a Tuesday, and she um, is in and out of preschool when she brings... Alex. So, yeah. She also speaks really, really, really well about what being here has meant to her. And she was overheard on Tuesday morning sharing her story with somebody that she was sat next to. And um, we decided that she ought to share it with you. So here she is. There you go. Thank you. I'm not quite sure I can live up to Carol's introduction, but I'll do my best. I'm Lucy. I'm Alex's mum. Everybody probably always sees me at the front running around trying to control Alex. Um, we, Peter and myself moved here from the harbour when I was pregnant with Alex, and we already had Amy. We sold our flat, and my mum sold her house on Bishop, and we bought a five-bedroom on King's Drive, initially to help my grand Betty, who's widowed and living with my mum, and my mum, who is a widow. But it worked the other way. God must have had big plans because Alex was born and when he was two, we discovered he wasn't quite like everybody else. A childminder one day spoke to me about him and it turned out he had severe autism, which was hard to deal with, but is now actually okay. We feel God's put him here for a reason, but mainly I feel God's put us as a family here for a reason. We started at Stay and Play, coming with Amy, and then we joined the Thursday morning group, which isn't anymore, which is lovely, Caroline and Annette. And it's just all growing from there. The support I received from Carol when we found out about Alex at first, or the Noah's Ark team, he was immediately taken into Noah's Ark three mornings a week, and then five mornings from the September. And we didn't dream we could ever come to church here, because our previous church had actually told us rather nastily, you need to leave, Alex is spoiling it, your children are spoiling it. So despite the fact we got married there, we'd been very happy there, we felt very outnumbered, we didn't feel there was anything more we could do, and we were without church for a long, long time. And Hillary promised if we came here we would be okay, but believing it was really, really hard, and we came, and it's been beyond okay, it's been fantastic. Um, I volunteer on a Tuesday, volunteer every other Wednesday at cafe. I'm not a cook, my husband will agree with that one, I'm not a caterer. But you've given me just a massive opportunity, and I'm honest, I'm open, I chat to the customers, I tell them life's not perfect, life's really hard. But mainly, just recently, I really feel I can say... God's done a lot for us. You guys prayed for Alex. I can't speak of what Marky and his family have done for us. Everybody prayed for Alex to get into mainstream school, and thank God he's in St. Bond's. 
So he's going to get a good start. I just pray he's in the same class as your little girl so that we've got really supportive parents on our side. And I think somebody heard me talking to Paula, who has Alex in Noah's Ark. And I was just saying, you guys are amazing, and you don't know how amazing you are. You're so modest. You're so amazing here. And yes, we are part of it, but we can't say we're amazing too, because it's you guys who've done so much for us. When people look at Alex now, I don't feel you're judging me. I don't feel I need to say, oh, actually, autism, as I have to in the big world out there. We've been invited to people's houses for supper. Everybody's always so kind and so lovely. So it's just great to be a part of it. And I'm sorry my words haven't been as amazing as properly Carol built them up to. But each and every one of you is fantastic. And here is just amazing. So we hope to come for many years. You'll have a lot to put up with with Alex. But thank you guys so much. And thank you to Carol for Noah's Ark. We are going to be heartbroken when he leaves because you've just all been absolutely amazing. So thank you. Thanks, Lucy. Okay. Um, I'm sure that all of you know that at the end of this academic year, I'll be moving on from Cairns Road. It's quite a big, quite a big thing for me to be doing, um, because... You guys have been my family, my spiritual family, for very many years. And, um, yeah. But it's a, it's a long story, and, it, well, a long overtime. It's not going to take me long to tell you. But I do want to share with you the way God has led me in this. In 1995, I was here on a Sunday morning, and I was doing coffee, because we normally sat in the front row because our eldest son, Matthew, has a hearing loss, severe hearing loss, and he, like his mother, is quite nosy. So he doesn't like to be in a position where he was relying only on the loop because he wanted to hear more than what the person with the microphone was saying. So we always sat in the front so he could have one hearing aid off and one on. But this week, we were doing coffee. We were sat over there. Somebody was up here giving the notices saying, we need Sunday. And I thought, oh, I've been itching to get involved in something. We've been coming for quite a few months now, and I'd like to get involved. And it was like a voice in my head. In fact, I sort of looked around to make sure that it wasn't actually somebody speaking behind me. A voice in my head said, don't. Don't volunteer. I have got a job for you, but when it's time, somebody will ask you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I thought, well, I guess that's God. I didn't really know for sure. And some months later, um, uh, Julie, who, Julie Sanquist, who will be a friend to, to some of you, um, came up to me and said, we've been praying about who should join our Noah's Ark team. And the only name that's come into our mind for now is you. What they didn't know then was that I had been working in a preschool in Kingswood and I was qualified as an early years practitioner. So that was how God called me in to Noah's Ark. And then um, I've, apparently I've said to people, I'll know, I'll know when it's time to go because God will tell me. But I wasn't aware, you know. Anyway, back in July, um, at the, uh, um, as has been my habit over the last few years, during the summer, I've gone for a couple of days on a retreat. 
a Christian retreat, just to recharge my batteries and um, do a bit of looking after my spiritual life. So I did this last July and went to a wonderful place that I'd not heard of before called Trelo Warren in Cornwall. Um, in the middle of the three days that I was there, there was a, a communion service, and at the end of this, there, um, the lady who ran the place said, um, this is when we normally pray for people, is that okay? So, yes, of course it is. Um, and, and the lady prayed for me, and she prayed the, about me having a pioneering spirit, and um, it was in my DNA, and I needed to get back to pioneering. You've, been, you've done some pioneering where you are, but it's well consolidated, she was telling me, and God has got another challenge for you. And I was like, oh, really? It was, you know, it was a real surprise to me. Um, and um, she said to me, does that make any sense? Well, maybe, I said, maybe. So I took some time to pray about it. I talked to Colin about it, and we decided that we would take a a few weeks, a month or so, to pray. But but that sense of of being absolutely certain that that was God speaking to me um, remained with me. And so, you know, I started putting into motion, talking to um, talking to the trustees, talking to Marky, and then in. February half term, you'll know that it was announced to Noah's Ark staff and to church that I was was moving on. I'd been saying to God for the the couple of of weeks before, God, I've got no doubt that you've got this role for me, but I don't know where it is and I don't know how you're going to tell me. Twice before, so when I came to work at Noah's Ark, and once before um, in my pre-child career as a nurse, God had found jobs for me which I hadn't really done anything to find. But in both those situations, I was there in the right place for somebody just to say, would you like to do this? So I was saying to God, how are you going to do it? I trust that you'll find the job, but I'd love to know how. Then um, Colin had a dream about going on a long journey and starting back at the beginning. We felt it was right to to go to a church that we'd been to a year or more ago. Um, And um, we went there on the Sunday and thought it was great. And uh, the next morning, I, next day, I was looking um, at the New Wine website because we're planning to go in the summer. And I just thought, well, look and see who the speakers are and, you know, all of that. And my finger didn't quite hit the right button on my little tablet. And I went into the jobs page. And I went to go out of it and thought, oh, I will just have a look and see what jobs are around. But I wasn't even really thinking about it for me. I'm just quite nosy, really. And at the bottom of this list, probably six or eight jobs, there was one that was called a family pioneer. And I thought, oh, that's a really strange title for a job. I wonder what that's about. So I looked at it. I read the little bit that they had there, you know, two or three lines, and I thought, oh, that sounds very much like what I do at Cairns Road without a preschool. So I went into it, and some of you know the end of the story. It was at the church, which is a church that Stuart knows very well, and actually lots of people here have got contacts with um, Gordano Valley Church in Portishead. 
And um, so I've spoken to them. Long story, I've since been for an interview, and I'm going to start with them on the 1st of September. So I just, you know, I just wanted to share that with you, the way that, you know, God really has been in this. And I have to say, when it all came together, there was that tiny sense of relief. Phew, I haven't made up any of this. It really was God talking to me, you know, and, and this is part of God's plan. And I think what I want to say to you as church is that this is a really good time for Noah's Ark and for daytime, for there to be some changes. Um, We're in a different season, and God's got this as part of his plan. And I think also, um, with the changes that are happening here at church, if it's going to be good for me to be moving on and doing what God's calling me to do, it's got to be good for you as Cairns Road as well. And I just really want to to say that. So that's the end of that, that bit about me. So I have got a few things that I would like to share with you. Um, I felt quite a little bit nervous about this because I feel like there's lots and lots and lots of things I want to say to you as church as I move on. Um, and I know it's not yet, but there are just... So I want, what I want to do today is share some stories. Lucy's already shared the first one about highlights, I think, that have happened in, in Noah's Ark and Daytime during you know my just over 19 years, um, but also some of the things that I think God has challenged um, challenged me about and that I want to pass on to you so that they don't get lost and that somebody has to rediscover them um, and waste time getting there. Sorry, did I move it? Okay. So, some key moments. Now, I've divided these into what I consider to be Holy Spirit moments and ones that I consider to be strategic, kind of visionary moments. No less Holy Spirit, but maybe a little bit more um, around about the strategies of, of how um, Noah's Ark and Daytime have moved forward. So the first key moment is one that Pete and Caroline and a few other people were really, really, really part of. Um, and that was about, I think it was about, probably about 10 or 11 years ago, when we had a little girl in preschool who had cancer. She had cancer in her shoulder. Um, she had a lot of treatment. She was on chemotherapy since before she started preschool. And just before she was due to go to school, she became very, very sick. And um, she was in hospital in London. And the family were just all over the place. They were a, a Sikh family. And we were all a bit at loss as to what to do. And I phoned the mum, who was at the child's bedside in London, and said to her, tell me, what would you like us to do? And she just said to me, Carol, can you pray and can you get your church to pray? And out of that, we ended up having what I consider to this day to have been in a most amazing prayer meeting here um, where the entire family, they got a distant uncle to stay with the child in London, the entire family, the grandparents on both sides, everybody came. Um, but so did a huge number of Noah's Ark parents and members of the congregation. There were over 50 people. We didn't actually count um, here. And we knew that we needed to be very respectful of their faith. One of the grandfathers had been a president of the Sikh temple, one of the Sikh temples in Bristol. 
but we knew that they were asking for us to pray and yeah they wanted our god to do something and it was quite amazing we'd felt that we needed to do something symbolic and we'd wondered about having bits of string or something to give out to people representing you know um the friends bringing um their, their, the, the chap to, to Jesus and lowering, lowering him through the roof. And then at the last minute, Pete had a bit of a, um, an idea that we should use a sheet. And we did that. And um, it was quite an amazing time. Parents who didn't even profess to be Christians then um, prayed out loud. It was quite amazing. And um, we used the sheet to cover the family, didn't we? And then afterwards, the grandfather came up to Pete and said, I had no idea Christians used sheets to bless people. Pete said, neither have I. And, um, but it, the Holy Spirit had laid, you know, had shown us how to move forward in a, in a situation. And I used the, you know, us as being... As a, as, as a body, not as an individual, it wasn't my own idea at all, um, to, to pray. Because that was, a, that was the way that the Sikhs bless family. And so it was meaningful to them. It was something they could enter into. And to me, it was an absolutely profound moment in the life of Noah's Ark, daytime, probably Cairns Road, if, you know, if only we'd known about it. So that was that one. Just to, to go on, we're still in contact with that family. We still have children, cousins, second cousins coming to preschool. And that little girl went on. The, the day after she came out of hospital, she was found, I mean, seen um, on her skate, on her, what is it called? Scooter, um, going down the road, one-armed, didn't matter. And that was one of the things her parents had asked her to pray for, that if she had to go ahead and have this amputation, that she would do well. And she now represents, um, and that Caroline would know better than me, but it's at least at regional level, if not national level. She's a para-swimmer. And it's just quite incredible. And every time I hear about it, I just think, you know, God, you answered our prayers and the prayers of that family, that this would not hold this child back that she would have a full fulfilled life so that's that um, story another thing that um, I just feel is profound every year is our Chris Dingle service something we do every year it never ceases to amaze me um, that we are blessed by having this church you know full and it's the biggest service that we have in any year and we know that 70% of those present are not churchgoers. And I just think that, you know, God is amazing. And that moment where we stand around and it's dark and we have the orange with the light representing, you know, what God did, his love for the world. And we bless one another. And I just think, I've got no idea what God's doing in this, but I know he's doing something. Um, and then there's just one other thing that has blown me away recently, because I've only just heard about it, something that happens at Lent. Somebody phoned me and said, Carol, I feel a bit embarrassed telling you this, but I've just come home from my church's Lent, women's Lent Bible study group, and our homework for last week was to go away and think about the, per- the person who has modelled Christ to us most in our life and she said 
there were seven people there and two of them said you. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm not telling you that because, it, because I've done anything amazing. Because when I actually found out who those people were, I was really blown away because they were people who, one, I already knew was a Christian and so I'm very nice to her and I still see her, but actually she wasn't one of the people that I felt I had any particular relationship with or had gone any further than just just being and the other was a, was a mum who was lovely I've always really liked her but seemed to be getting on fine and so wasn't one of those people that I felt God had targeted in my head and what that has done for me is to make me realize about the culture of God that we carry in ourselves that we don't even realize and that um and almost to say the responsibility is is putting too much on it really but about just the fact that we carry the love of God within us and it's a bit like making yogurt isn't it you know if you I don't know if you've ever made yogurt I lived on a farm as a child and every day we would go down to the cow shed get milk um and have put a spoonful of prepared yogurt into a thermos flask, fill it with warm water, put the lid on, and in the more, you know, the next morning, 24 hours later, there was the yogurt for the next day's breakfast. But the actual amount of prepared yogurt is being diluted all the way, but it's still making yogurt. And the culture that's in that yogurt gets spread further afield. Does that make sense? Um, and I think that's what happens, and we don't realize it, and yet God is at work through us and through the things that we do, through the reputation that we have, and, you know, uh, yeah, I don't understand it. I was really puzzled when I heard it was those two people. Um, so, there we go. And there's just one very last thing I'm going to say about the amazingness of God in the everyday at Noah's Ark daytime. Um, and that is, look at your watches on a Tuesday morning and um, does it ever rain after about 20 to 11 and before 10 past 11? It has rained once in the last five or six years and that's, because, that's when we go to outdoor play. And um, it is an, an absolute source of amazement to us every week. But it never rains. But it, you know, it has become really, really meaningful to the members of the team as being you know, real assurance of God's provision for us. And every day when the forecast is falling, we used to think, oh, this will be the day that God... Yeah, we can't say that God does this for us anymore. But he always has. That's not to say he always will. But, you know, it has been something that has really spoken of God's love and provision for the families in this area. Okay, so those are those, are the, those, are those stories. Now, I'm just going to very, very quickly, because time is against us, just talk about a couple of the things that have happened that have been quite what I think are, are kind of strategic God moments. One was um, at a time when, as church, we were talking about, we were looking at justice issues, and um, I met with Mike Pears, and he said to me, um, I'm going to be preaching next week, 
about who are the marginalised in our community. When I meet with you, because we used to meet every three weeks, in three weeks' time, I want you to tell me who the marginalised within the Noah's Ark community are. And then, within a few days, Andy Cordell, who I don't think is here today, but he actually said to me, Carol, I've been thinking and praying, and I wonder whether you've ever, at Noah's Ark, thought about speaking to health visitors and offering them a couple of places at Noah's Ark for children with um, additional needs. They're always crying out for it, and have you thought about it? And I'd already got in my thinking as far as thinking, I think that the marginalised in a community like this, um, in you know, relation to a preschool, are those parents, those middle-class parents who have amazingly successful careers and, then, and think everything's going well and then suddenly stopped in their tracks because they have a child with global delay or who they're told is never going to walk or whatever it is. So I'd already started thinking that and I just felt that that was God's timing for us to begin to consider that. And those of you who know um, Noah's Ark will know that that has become one of our strengths and um, one of the things that we're really, really well known for in the wider early years community. So, you know, it was, it's about that vision, not, not the vision coming from necessarily within Noah's Ark, but from coming, it being a joint, something that we own together. And another one of those moments was um, some years ago when I met with um, the, some of the elders and it was when Paul Cloak was an elder so it was a quite a long time ago and he at the end of the meeting just said oh can we pray for you and he just prayed and he prayed that I would be able to have influence in the early years community in Bristol and slightly what that means because in those days there wasn't that equal playing field between voluntary preschools and the maintained sector that there is now and within a week, I'd had a phone call inviting me to sit on a, um, a committee that was sorting out who should be the tra- you know, to interview training providers for early years across, across Bristol. And shortly after that, I was invited to become um, a mentor for Bristol Standard. So those were the ways. And I think um, you know, we, we mustn't forget that this, what we've been doing here and the ministry that we have isn't just about what we're doing inside and what we're doing with people. It's about how we can exert influence and um, wisdom, God's wisdom and God's love in, in a wider sort of a way. I'm rushing through now. Um, I just would like to... Uh, there's lots I could say about what works and all of those sorts of things. But what I want to do is... Um, Every, every good sermon is supposed to have three points, isn't it? And I was told that once when I was doing training to become a, a Methodist local preacher many years ago. This has got three little challenges. And they're not things that um, we've got right yet, but they're things that I've observed, and I just, I just want to pass them on, really. So <clears throat> the first one is something around how we disciple people. So there have been times in our recent history where we have had lots of people come in from cafe, from Noah's Ark, from daytime, from seniors, from you know all the things that we do. They work well to reach the needs of the people. 
And I just want to challenge us as a, as a whole body about the need to give people opportunities to explore the Christian faith at a deeper level. So um, we have had seasons where we've had Alpha running regularly. And that was a time when we had way more people from our, our, our mission activities coming in and becoming part of, of, of our congregation. So I think that's something that I just, you know, I just like to put out there for you to think about. The other thing that I've noticed over the years is that quite often people come and they stay with us for about two to four years. And I think what happens is those of us who know them from Noah's Ark and Daytime, we're, we kind of make sure they're all right and other people take them on board. But somehow I think, and I haven't analysed it in, 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 in any great way, I think sometimes um, once we consider that people are part of us, maybe we don't take that special care. And maybe for people who haven't had any sort of traditional um, Christian upbringing, for want of a better phrase, um, to just fit into the structures that we have automatically may not be easy. And so I'm just throwing it out there and I don't know what the answer is. But, you know, I really encourage you over the next while to be really praying, you know, about the structure of um, discipleship groups. I'm not saying that to do anything for those who are part of church, but there may be a need to look at some of those things in a different way. One of my other things that I'd like just to, to throw out there is that I know that Noah's Ark in daytime does not touch the lives of lots of you. If you haven't got small children, um, it's not going to touch the lives. Um, it touched your life. In a, you know, you're all at, you're at work. You're doing other things. I remember some time ago um, when Elaine. Maisco and I were tidying up after a stay and play and a member of the Sunday congregation came in looking, you know, going to the office and they put their head in here and they were like, oh, this doesn't look like Ken's Road. This looks really strange. And Elaine said, um, well, now you know how Ken because actually to us, you know, we were seeing it in that way a lot more. And I, but I completely understand that. But I think what I want to say is that with seniors' lunch, with youth, with any of the things that we are a part of our church vision and strategy, it's something, whether we like it or not, actually, by being part of Cairns Road, we're buying into. And um, it would just be... Yeah, so, that, so, that, so kind of that's one of my challenges to you, is to really be prayerful around how you can support youth through this difficult time, even if you're, ter- even if you're terrified of teenagers. It, you know, actually, there will be something that God will be calling you to do, even if it is simply to speak well about what's going on. So, um, that's that bit. And... Um, my last little thing is a bit of a personal thing, and I want, I have just been really, really, really challenged thinking about um, the way God has spoken to me about moving on, and the reason I did have faith that God would find me another job and that I didn't need to go looking for one was because God and I have got a track record on that, and um, the reason that 
I, um, I'm walking with a friend at the moment who's going through a really, really difficult time with some mental health issues. And I've known her since she was a teenager. She's not much more than a teenager now. But the reason that I know I can walk with her and that I can pray with her and that I can say, hang on, don't shut God out of this, is because I have known physical healing in my life. And so I think we all have a track record with God, don't we? But it's really, really easy to forget that in the busyness of life. And um, so one of the things I want to challenge you about is just taking a little bit of time to reflect on those great high points in your own faith, those great, those real high points in the life of our corporate worship together and hold on to those so that you've got a, an account with God that you're, you know, a bank account that you're topping up and that you can look back on. And I believe that that's how we, ha- we can have influence with those around us our community because we've got we have got faith to believe that God does things for us does that make sense and therefore actually he he wants to do them for that person too so I was going to start and I'm going to do I'm going so I'm going to finish by reading where I was going to I was just going to read um Matthew 5 and um we spent a long, long time, um, about probably about four years ago, as a cafe team actually, really considering what um, God was saying to us about what we did. And um, so I'm going to read. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. I think, um, although we've gone a bit over time, is it all right for us just to have a minute for reflection? Um, the the um, Jenny and the team are going to, they're just going to play for us. And I'd just like you, before we kind of go, just to take a couple of minutes to think particularly about that bank account that you've got with God and what he's done for you in the past that are things that are part of your testimony to share with our community. And um, the other thing I'd like you to think about is just, for all of us, what are our attitudes to what goes on in church about our time and our, you know, all of that sort of stuff because, you know, we, we do need to be supporting the things that are part of our church vision.